Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP. Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP, Town Hall. Welcome back to episode 84 of the PHP Town Halls. Here lies Dynamic Properties. They were good properties, Brant. If you get that reference, send me a tweet, send Ben a tweet. Um, if you don't get that reference, then I don't know if there's any help for you, to be honest. Anyways. Uh, along with Ben, I'm joined by Colin O'Dell, who you may know from the internet on Twitter, and he is the maintainer of CommonMark, which is the default and probably most popular markdown library out there for PHP. Um, Colin, how's it going? Going pretty well. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, how's, uh, how's life? Things are pretty good, man. You know, just uh, yeah. golfing and fighting with Phil about how much that destroys the environment. You know, it's been a, been a fun time. Hmm. Is there like, so have, have you figured out like how bad it is for the environment? No, but also it's, you know, it's Phil. So like everything's horrible. All right. So now that we've gone now, <laughs> he's going to bitch about us on Twitter, isn't he? About how we're giving <laughs> he's him like our one listener. We just talk shit about him constantly. At least we know we have a listener. I mean, look. At um, shit, at uh, what was that conference we were all just at Longhorn back in October? I saw back Taylor. Three he weeks didn't even, like he didn't even mention offering to give me any money for this podcast. How many times did I hit him up? I mean, for maybe real? we should set our sights on Phil. We should, but I don't think he has any money to give us. So he was giving us anyways. Uh, we don't need. Actually, I do need some trees. Anyways, so we brought Colin on. Um, as you may or may not know, in the PHP world right now, the biggest kind of, I don't want to call it, well, it was drama, uh, drama around an RFC, which we haven't had a lot of lately. It's actually been pretty common. So this last one was the RFC proposed by Nikita, which was to deprecate dynamic properties. Um, what this means, if you really have not been paying attention at all, so let's say you have a class uh, a user class and has a, a public property name. Um, you instantiate the class, new user, and let's say you typo name to name n a n e. Uh, behind the scenes, PHP doesn't care, and it will just instead dynamically create that property on the class. So you'd have user arrow n a n e. Obviously, once you figure out that that's not name, you go back and fix it, but. To PHP, it doesn't matter. It just takes what you give it, runs with it, creates a property um, from what you type in, and then it just continues on doing whatever else it needs to do throughout the request lifecycle. Uh, Nikita um, proposed that coming up in 8.2, he should probably start moving this um, functionality, for lack of a better word, out of the core. And so Nikita proposed an 8.2. We would still allow dynamic properties to be set, 
uh, even if you did type of them, but we would at least raise a deprecation warning with a full error exception um, in 9.0, which following uh, last PHP release cycle 7.0, we'd have 8.2, 8.3, 8.4 most likely, followed by then 9.0. Uh, this has created a lot of a lot of I don't want to call it strife amongst the community, but has caused a lot of people to take sides either for the pro or the uh, the anti uh, RFC side of this one. Colin was kind enough to volunteer and say that he was pro this RFC. So I guess the first thing, Colin, is why, like, what what about this RFC do you think is is a good idea? I really like that this RFC aims to continue the evolution of PHP into a language that has a lot of sensible defaults and a lot of default behavior that isn't surprising to people. I think if you're new to PHP and you discover that, hey, you can just attach random properties to any object and they happen to work, I think that can be a little bit surprising. Um, I think it makes a lot more sense to have classes where the properties you define are the only ones that can exist. Um, otherwise, if you're adding random properties to certain objects, those properties won't exist on all um, instances of that class. And I think that can lead to some really bizarre behavior. And it can also lead to people potentially abusing that, using or abusing, depending on your, your uh, frame of mind there where you can just sort of attach any data you want to any object, and there's really no strong contract guarantee that that data is going to exist given some instance of that class. Um, so that's kind of why I'm for it in, in a nutshell. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying with, you, know, you can kind of do whatever you want to, there's no contract. I mean, that kind of, as someone who kind of came up with the solid principles, you know, direct property manipulation is always kind of like one of those things you probably shouldn't do and say you should have getters and setters so i guess to play the anti-role and in full disclosure i really have zero I, I don't really have an opinion on this i if it goes away it's fine if it doesn't i don't it's fine but if you had getters and setters with proper type checks wouldn't that kind of alleviate the need to deprecate the dynamic properties in a way, yes, um, especially if the rest of your code is using that and you don't do anything that really pays attention to whether or not those other properties exist. Um, that's certainly a valid point. Um, I think there are also some valid use cases where it is helpful to add dynamic properties. We've seen um, some CMSs like Drupal, for example, the Drupal views system likes to use dynamic properties so that in your views, you can use these objects that have things like a name field attached to an object. And you can kind of build up those list of properties on demand dynamically. Um, that works really well for those systems. I think one of the things about this RFC that I like is that users who need that can still continue to do that. They just need to add this one annotation to the classes that are going to continue to leverage that behavior. So there is this, you know, opt-in approach where you can still keep that existing behavior if you need it, but it's not enabled by default, um, and it's implicitly kind of discouraged unless you really need that. So with that annotation, because I, I did read that you can opt-in with the annotation, though, when it comes around to 9.0, does that 
can I so opt into that dynamic property accessibility or is not auto? It doesn't matter. It's gone anyways. As of today, the plan is that if you have that annotation added to your class, your class will continue to work with dynamic properties in 9.0. However, there is this unanswered discussion about whether or not that should change in 9.0. Should we go towards completely banning that and not allowing dynamic properties at all? Is that something that should wait till 10.0? Do we really want to do that? It is kind of an open-ended question, um, and I think that's that kind of gets to the central point of that strife and that conflict is whether or not it makes sense to completely remove that feature from PHP. Yeah, I guess that's the main concern I have with it really is probably just the annotation, right? Like I would almost rather see us dive right in, right? Like it's deprecated. It's going to be deprecated in nine. You know, you go ahead and get the flag and that's just it. That's kind of where you are. Rather than this attribute thing, right? So it's like one more thing to consider. You still have to keep all the logic in the actual source of PHP to still support this. So if we still technically support it, we're now just enforcing the way our users use it, right? Like it feels like a weird middle ground to take. Um, and then maybe, I mean, maybe we do fully remove it in 10 or something like that. But, um, I don't know. Just, just feels like a odd rollout plan for me. A lot of variables. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Um, I do think that it is kind of a compromise because there are other ways you could continue to have dynamic properties or functionality similar to that, such as using the magic get and sit, set methods. You could extend from STD class uh, if you wanted to do that. That is going to continue to support dynamic properties. You can extend that. So there are these other options out there that do seem a little better in the long run. I think the compromise with the annotation is that for people who don't want to or maybe feel like they can't do that, the solution is as simple as just adding essentially what looks like a comment um, onto the code. But of course, we know now in PHP 8, they're not comments anymore. Yeah, it would be interesting to... I don't think I know any code bases that actually do a lot of this. Uh, I kind of like did through maybe old coding editor stuff I did, right? Maybe there's some huge code base that did it there. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what that looks like, right? Does, does it actually help you much to have that annotation? Is it more work to add the annotations than to fix the code? That sort of thing. Well, I mean, Symphony leverages annotations all over the place, especially with Doctrine and stuff like that, too. And I mean, it's never like a bad thing to have them. I never totally understood the why behind it, but it wasn't... If anything, it just made the classes longer because you had those massive doc blocks, which to some people, like the visual debt community, I get that, but it's definitely not the, the worst thing about um, having them around. The visual debt community. We should make a t-shirt that says that. Uh, but no, so I wasn't referencing annotations as a bad thing in particular. I was referencing uh, dynamic properties in this case, right? Like a code base that uses a lot of dynamic properties. I mean, I, I understand like, I understand the reasoning behind it. Like, because it's kind of like what Colin's saying, like if you're, there's no contract against what you can and cannot add. And if I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing and I just dynamically add something to an object and send it back over the wire to a front end client, um, if I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing, I might expose uh, an API key or some sort of secret token. Um, or if the front end, you know, thinking back to like the open API, if, if my client is expecting certain fields and I send them back, um, type of fields that have the data, 
there's going to be the black, there's going to be a broken amount of trust there between the client and the, the provider of the API. Because when I say I'm going to provide a user object with name, phone, email, and birthday, and I send name and phone, F-O-N-E, you know, I've broken a contract, therefore I've broken the trust. Therefore, the consumer may not ever want to interact with my APIs again, which has long-term consequences as well. So I get it. Um, and then I also get it, I guess, from the other side. And the other side really um, seemed to, to be ang- not angry about it, but um, against it because of from the open source maintainer's perspective, which is it adds a lot more work to the already mostly unpaid, mostly thankless job that they have to do. And I mean, Colin, as a, I mean, common mark is, I think what north of 10 million downloads, something like that these days. Like it's, it's up there. I mean, you're probably one of the more background 64 million. Okay. Well, yeah. (laughs) Do you have like a physical camera behind you? I don't need details about that. I do. Um, it is very far away. Um, and I'm not going to be able to bring it over, but I can absolutely find uh, a link to a picture of that and all the information behind it. Um, not to go too far off on a tangent, but it's a little uh, Arduino with an LCD display that counts up the downloads in real time. Nice. Well, that is I remember notes. seeing the blog post. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but so, I mean, like, that was kind of the biggest con I saw is like open source maintainers are already having to do a lot of work just maintaining their libraries. Now this is something kind of being dropped on them. Is that like as an open source maintainer, like, is that something you're feeling as well with this um, upcoming deprecation or is it kind of overblown? Maybe I do get the sense that it might be a little overblown. Um, And I mean that in the best possible way. I think maintainers are legitimately concerned about what the impact would be to them and to their users. Um, this change was not going to affect me on common mark. There was another open source developer in the internals email who was raising some of the, those concerns, expressing concerns about what are, you know, what's going to break. I'm going to have to update all these files. They ended up checking out a nightly snapshot of PHP 8.2 testing their code. And they found out that it actually didn't break anything. There was a third party library that did break and it needed that annotation. They didn't do. I don't think they found exactly what needed to be updated, but they suspected it was just one or two files that just needed that one line annotation to fix things. I will say with 8.1, there was a similar annotation that I did need to add to the common mark project. I forget what it was called and what it was about, but it had to do something with the fact that we were, I think we were implementing like iterable or one of those iterator type interfaces um, that doesn't have a, a type signature for the return method uh, for the return value. And we were applying our own to it and we had to add an annotation to make PHP errors kind of shut up and go away. Um, but even that, you know, it was just one line of code, one small annotation. We got that merged in, got that released quickly. It was a really easy change. Yes, it was a little annoying, but it was a super simple fix. So, I mean, it almost just feels like people are almost against the change to be against the change almost like this, this reading all of the Twitter back and forth. And I mean, there was so, I mean, of course, Twitter is a relatively small sampling of the worldwide PHP developer community, but reading Twitter 
leading up to uh, the close of this vote, like I honestly thought it was um, o- almost like the type hints RFC from years back where that really caused people to pick a side. But I mean, after kind of talking it more through with you, reading through both the RFC and a few of the comments on the mailing list, it, it almost just feels like uh, people are just kind of against change. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, and I do think there is something to be said for preserving that backward compatibility and making it really easy to upgrade to new versions of PHP. If it becomes difficult to make those upgrades, people are not going to upgrade in time and then their software is going to fall out of date. They're going to become vulnerable um, to security issues. Um, so I definitely think there is something to be said for that maintaining that backward compatibility. But at the same time, I also think it's important that we continue to drive the language forward and continue to improve things and make it easier for new developers coming in. I think that this particular implementation in the RFC was an acceptable compromise, but I can certainly understand some of the reservations other people would have. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I can imagine, you know, if you're the type of the developer that really thinks PHP should stay dynamic in every way, it always has been, and you just see RFC after RFC, Kind of adding more constraints and type hints and enforcement, right? This is just one more thing on top of that pile that might make you against this. Absolutely. And I think one of the strengths of PHP is that, at least for the last several years, it's it's supported different ways of programming. Um, you can go completely procedural if you want to. You don't need to use types. You don't need to use classes. And that makes it really powerful and really versatile. If I'm creating an enterprise application, I can go, you know, Symphony, you know, latest version of Symphony, type hints everywhere, PHP 8.1. I see Matt giving me a side eye there at the mention of Symphony. Um, but, you know, you can opt into all those advanced features, or if you just need a really simple script to do something simple, just go full procedural, abuse the array functions, use arrays, not data classes, and you can get the job done. And, you know, both work just as well, both solve problems. And I think if PHP can continue to maintain that balance, I think that's only a good thing. That's only going to help the ecosystem. I mean, that that is like a very delicate balance. And I mean, to throw another aspect out there too, um, in the RAND Slack that Ben and I are in, uh, Larry Garfield is in there and he's talking about using PHP to do advent of code in a purely functional programming style as well so kind of like the two things that you're just talking about procedural and enterprise style coding and then you can also do functional programming with php as well you can do pure scripting if you really wanted to just kind of write you know line after line after line of 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 programming so you know php really has struck a really nice balance of kind of accepting everybody however you want to code uh over the last i don't know four or five six years you know but at some point like i guess the the question especially for the maintainers is like you know do you kind of just let the language not get stale but kind of just kind of chill for a couple of years or do we keep trying to push it forward and i think that's really where the divide is going to constantly come down no matter what feature we're talking about um but to also to, to throw it out there too um the other big internals news is that we finally have a PHP foundation. Um, 
This has been something that's been talked about for years. Uh, I know I was talking about it for a little while. Ben Ramsey was talking about it for a little while. Um, what kind of stuff do we think this is going to allow the internal developers to like have access to? Like, do we is this going to be um, like the the step in the right direction that everyone's hoping it to be? So I'm pretty bullish on it. I think it's a, a great idea, right? That a lot of us have thought we needed for a long time. I think time will tell how much that actually bears through, right? Like how much will they fundraise? How transparent is the org over time? And then does that encourage involvement? It seems, you know, theoretically it should incentivize involvement for people that wouldn't, wouldn't otherwise be able to get involved. Um, and I like it, but I think we will have to let it play out a bit before we can say for sure it's positive. I agree with you, Ben. I think at least at a high level at face value, I think it is great that there is a foundation being created and it is going to sponsor developers like Nikita to dedicate that time and effort into continuing to drive the language forward. I'm not entirely sure how, you know, the whole governance structure is going to play out. How is funding going to play out? I do think, you know, I, I agree with Ben. I think time will tell how that works out. But I'm optimistic. I think it could be a great addition to the community, having this foundation to really help push things forward. Yeah, I mean, when it was announced, it it really seemed to kind of take um, the internet by storm. I looked it up real fast. So, so far, they have raised $212,542. Um, just JetBrains is starting in a cool $100,000. Um, someone named Radka Bakova dropped just short of 25,000 uh Taylor Otwell dropped 10 and private packages dropped 18,000 alone and that doesn't even count the thousands of people who have chipped in 5, 10, 15, you know. $5 to us is you know um a week's salary to somebody else in a country that is not as fortunate as America. So seeing all these people Kind of coming out, and I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be interesting to see how how is it going to play out. How are they going to be able to get the money to the developers? Are they going to be able to maintain this um, um, fundraising over time? You know, like it's anytime you see fundraising, it's like it hits really quickly, and then it starts tapering off the longer it goes. But I do think it kind of injected a little bit of um, kind of like positive vibes around the core if that makes sense like it it the core was kind of dragging over the dynamic properties vote um it was just getting ready to release 8.1 so they're all tired so seeing the kind of community rally around the, the core which you don't really get to see all that much um because the core kind of lives in its own little world away from the laravel people the symphony people and all that kind of stuff um like i i just i felt really good about the effort coming out and I really do hope that it, it maintains um, longer than just a couple of years. Um, yeah. I think that and the governance will be really key, right? So like, how do you decide who gets the money? What type of money do they get? Right. And so like, if you're a developer in the core and you're doing a lot of good work and you get five grand that year, like that's nice. And that might help you justify the time of it. That's not a full-time job. Right. Like that's that's not Nikita spending every day working and thinking about these problems. Um, and it, even if you have 100 developers getting five grand a year, I'm not sure it solves much of that problem. 
But if we have ways to really funnel it in, get, you know, a couple of developers working primarily full time on it, I think that would actually have a lot more impact than just a bunch of people with a couple hours here and there. I mean, I think that's a, the hope is we can fund at least two or three. I think reading um, the blog posts that came from Joe and uh, Roman from JetBrains, I think ideally they want to find two or three uh, contributors who are going to be consistent throughout the year. They're not just going to show up for the one feature that they want to get accepted and then kind of fall away. They're going to show up, kind of do what Nikita was doing, um, was just in case if you don't know, Nikita has decided to move on to LLVM core work instead of PHP core work. So we've lost our little radar boy. Yeah, he's gone. Anyways, we'll pour one out for him. Um, but like we, you know, that, and that's that's part of the other problem too is, you know, at some point you're, the problems of PHP aren't going to interest you, which is perfectly fine. You're going to want to move on to something more challenging, more interesting like Nikita did. And so we've got to be able to find a way to fund people who do find PHP interesting um, and keep them around for longer than a feature, one PHP version, something like that. And so I think that's their goal is to find two or three people, kind of get them into the, like, get money into their pockets so that way they can be working on the core. Um, ideally, I think part-time at first, I don't, I don't think there's any expectation that anyone could just immediately go full-time on the core uh, through the foundation itself, but at least get it part-time um, in a regular kind of cadence with the core um, and then try and figure out how to keep the funding going so that way we can transition more people into that kind of thing. So overall, I think it's a really good thing. Uh, we'll throw a link in the show notes if you haven't seen the blog post or a way to donate to the Open Collective. Um, definitely worth it if you can do it. No pressure if you can't, um, but definitely consider it. Um, the, the other thing I think we wanted to talk about, Colin, was... Uh, you want to unpack your Mac trauma because you were a Linux person for the longest time and you got a new job. You left Unleashed Technologies. You were there for what, 13 years? 13 years, yeah. And you joined Wayfair with Ben. So, so sorry. It's terrible. Utterly <laughs> terrible. And the worst part is they gave you a MacBook. I know. It's, it's absolutely terrible. No, it, it's been all right. So it's been an like, interesting journey. So on a scale of like one to ten, like how offended were you? I wasn't offended as much as it I was disoriented, I guess. Like I know how to open a web browser. I know how to type, you know, gmail.com and hit enter and get to my email. But it's all the little things that just I don't know how to do in a, on a Mac yet. Um, as an example, if you want to open up a program that's not in your dock, you want to do it with your keyboard what do you guys do what do you hit on your keyboard command space right on linux you just press the super key uh, or commands mm, and you get a nice little box that pops up it's basically like spotlight which i just learned about so you can search your apps you can search your files but it also shows you little previews of all the windows you have open on the mac that's oh. done through mission control and i didn't know what mission control was and so it's learning you know where do I find these different features that I'm used to? What are these different shortcuts that I use? And wondering why the computer acts bizarrely when I try shortcuts that don't do quite what I expect. So I will say, like, I've, I always use Spotlight. Sometimes I, like, I also use Alfred. I don't know if anyone's told you about that app, but it's, it's like a, a Spotlight 
on steroids and it's really nice it's good but i always forget about it but uh i never used mission control ever like i forget that exists all the time i use it only accidentally like i get a new mac and there's some kind of swipe or something that turns it on and i'm like oh shit yeah. what is this <laughs> i mean probably like the first thing i do when i get a new macbook is like i download my dot files the second thing i do is fix the uh trackpad like the two and three finger swiping so that way like i don't do mission control by accident or anything like that um we could just turn this into like your favorite apps episode right like uh i term two make sure you check that yeah. out if you haven't oh, uh, and text expander those are probably my two favorite i have to look into that one i mean i term let's see i term two table plus and PHP storm are like the three essentials for when I'm programming and then I'd use to do some bear as well to do like to do's and uh, just general note taking throughout the day. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. One app that I discovered recently is called, let me see if I can find it in finder. Uh, sensible. I could, I just couldn't remember what it was called. Uh, sensible side buttons which allows um, mice that have, you know, the, the back and forward buttons to work on a Mac. Um, with my setup, I have, um, I'm essentially doing almost like a KVM type setup where I have one monitor, one keyboard, one mouse, um, and I'm using the two different video inputs on the monitor and a USB switch so that I can have both my PC and my laptop connected to everything. So I'm trying to use my PC keyboard, my PC mouse on a Mac. Um, some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. Um, one of the things I found out early on is back and forward buttons on the mouse don't work. So that was a nice little um, utility I found to fix that. I did, however, just order a new Mac-specific keyboard. So hopefully that'll come soon, and that'll get me more into the Mac ecosystem. Um, as much as it's been a challenge to pick up Mac, uh, Mac OS, I'm trying to dive into it head first. I'm not going to give up on it. I'm going to give it as much effort as I can, uh, as I can bear, maybe, um, and we'll see how that goes. Did uh, Did you get the Intel or the ARM Mac? The Intel. I got the 2019 okay. with the fancy little touch bar that I don't use. Yeah, nice. Nobody uses the touch bar. Nobody. It looks cool, um, but not only do I not That's use not that like, keyboard, I mean, it's... I, I use it. I mean, if I'm out and about, I'll, I'll use the... Uh, the touch bar to like control my volume on my headphones and stuff like that, but I never touch it, touch the uh, touch bar when I have it docked like on my desk or anything like that. I just I don't see the point. I think it's dumb. I never use it for anything that I couldn't accomplish with just static buttons that used to be there, right? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like, I've seen some cool like someone did like the nine cat to like through the little um, strip. And I thought that was... Oh, you could like probably have it display your download numbers. Yeah, actually, probably could. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. I'm surprised they... I mean, no, like, no offense. I guess, like, with everything that y'all are doing, because I know, like, Wayfair, I mean, y'all have all sorts of different programming languages going on. Um, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised that they didn't give you the latest and the greatest um, Apple Silicon. Instead, they just opted for the Intel, which works across everything y'all are doing. Yeah, I think I'm on the pilot program, so I should be getting an ARM Mac soon. The trade-off there is then I have to fix everything I find wrong in the Wayfair ecosystem, which is probably a part-time job. 
So Ben's going to be looking for a new job when? Just as Colin like gets hired, Ben's like, I don't want to fix this. I'm out. Peace. No, man. Which you want? I have a really nice Linux laptop. Yeah. Much easier. Yeah. So, I mean, Colin, what are you, what, what team are you on Wayfair? Like, like what, what are you doing there? And how is it going to differ from what you were doing at uh, Unleashed? Yeah, great question. So I am actually on Ben's team, um, on the PHP platforms team, um, just helping out all the other devs in the organization, uh, work with PHP more efficiently, get things done faster, uh, s- solve their speed bumps and roadblocks so they don't have to deal with that and they can be 5x, 10x developers. Um, compared to uh, what I was doing at Unleashed, it's definitely different. Um, I-, I think the biggest difference I've noticed is just the size of the organization. Um, so at Unleashed, we were about uh, 50 people strong. Wayfair, you know, the the technical uh, organization itself is 3,000 plus. Um, so yeah. just a completely different scale of people that we're working with, the types of problems we're trying to solve. That's definitely a huge difference. Also, going from being the the longest tenured person at Unleashed to the newest employee of Wayfair. I'm kind of leaving all of that institutional knowledge behind and starting from scratch and trying to learn, okay, where are the CI pipelines located? How do I perform a merge request or pull request? Um, who needs to approve things? What's the next step to deploy things? And just picking up all those little bits and pieces. I feel like I have learned quite a lot over the last three days. Um, it sounds like I'm doing about as well or slightly better than uh, my manager is expected. But, you know, there's still a ton to learn. Just becoming familiar with all of that, I think, is the biggest change. On a day-to-day level, um, the type of work I'm doing is also going to be a bit, a bit different. So at Unleashed, I was I was recently the director of technology. Then I shifted over to principal engineer. And so I was working with a lot of different people all across the organization, trying to help them solve problems, which is somewhat similar. But I was also doing a lot of day-to-day development on some of our larger projects doing some system design, doing some system administration, doing on-call rotations for our hosting department, doing a little bit of management. So this is definitely a big change in that regard. Uh, I see it as more of a focus on one particular area of expertise, and I think it'll be a really nice change of pace. Not to say I didn't like what I did before. I absolutely love Unleashed, still love all the people there and what they're doing, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited for this new chapter, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. It's also interesting, too, because, like, when you get to the level that you're at, you know, no one really thinks about, like, what does it take for you to change jobs and what is going to be different for you going forward? Like, we always focus on the juniors being onboarded and how much work it's going to be for them. And I don't, I think the conversation could definitely benefit from more staff, staff plus engineers talking about what does it take for them to get comfortable onboarding a new job, even with all the, institutional knowledge that may or may not transfer over you still have that knowledge at least in a working sense to know to ask those questions versus like a junior developer who may not even think to ask about ci pipelines or who approves a pull request or anything like that so i think it's interesting to hear your perspective um and will be interesting like six months down the road you know a year down the road like how how you have integrated into that whole team absolutely we talked about that a bit in the rant slot. If you haven't seen it yet, Colin, um, 
you should definitely check it out. There's a RAND slug and it's there's a staff plus engineers channel. I think we're both in it right now. And there's a recent yeah. conversation there about like, it's almost impossible to go from being a principal engineer in one company to a principal engineer in the other company and still feeling like you're as productive or as valuable for quite a while. Right. Cause a lot of you, what you provide as a principal engineer is just a ton of context and you have none of that coming into a new job. Right. So in a way, it's a pretty big investment from a company to bring in a principal engineer that's fresh. Um, a lot of times they're homegrown. Absolutely. Um, and I, I do think some of my skills that I have picked up over the years have served me quite well so far in my first three days at Wayfair. Um, I mean, the, just the other day, I picked up a ticket to edit a query in an application I've never touched before. And, you know, I have the knowledge of how to clone down a project, how to get Docker up and running how to figure out what is calling this query, where are the tests located, how do I get the tests up and running, um, knowing that there is a, a confluence space out there that I can go and search for things, knowing that I can search in Slack to see if people have dealt with this thing before. So just having that knowledge of, you know, how would I have done this at my old job if I didn't know these things, kind of moving that over, that's really helped me out quite a bit. Cool. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense too. So, um, I think we've we've hit a good mark there. So, uh, Colin, we want to thank you for joining us tonight and talking about dynamic properties and your experiences. Uh, where can people find you online if they don't already know where to find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Colin Odell. I also have a website I rarely update, but I'm trying to do better at, which is colinodell.com. And from those two places, you can find me pretty much everywhere else. Awesome. Cool. Ben, last words. Uh, thanks for joining, Colin. 